So hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, uh, Alan Weimar, and today we have Andy Partenhausen on. Welcome, Andy. How are you? I'm fine, Alan. Thanks for having me. We just had on uh, your colleague giving us kind of how you guys work with uh, errors and talking more in depth about that. I didn't want to ask too many questions because obviously I think you can answer a lot more about, you know, the general Flutter use within MediaMarkt and, and all of its subsidiaries. Maybe you can do just a quick introduction about, you know, yourself and your role at MediaMarkt and also what is MediaMarkt? Because some of our audience is from North America, India, et cetera. This is the first time I've ever heard of MediaMarkt when I entered Berlin. So if you don't mind. Okay, definitely I can do. My name is Andy Partnauser. I'm with MediaMark Citroen for a little longer than three and a half years. I am in a role that is called engineering delivery lead. Usually I have to explain it a little bit. Um, I always refer to as a department manager or head of for the mobile development at MediaMark Citroen. But mostly, so since we have uh, more apps within MediaMark Citroen, and I'm mostly responsible for the app that you can download from the app and the Play Store. One sentence to my background, I used to be an iOS developer for the longest of my career, actually, for roughly eight years. So in the early beginning of, uh, of iOS, I, I started with my master thesis, and I was always also a very strong advocate for native development because uh, I believe it's, it was, or I believed it was just better. And I have to admit that Flutter was the first cross-platform framework that also convinced me that it seems to be a, a solution that really works. Now coming to the second question, uh, MediaMarkt Saturn, who we are, um, we are a retail company for consumer electronics, uh, mostly active in Europe, I think currently in uh, 10 countries in uh, all around Europe. Also in these 10 countries, we have our app. It's fair to say that we uh, have just in six of them right now, our Flutter application live and in the other markets, still our legacy application. But we are about in the next year, calendar year to change that and move everything to the Flutter platform. It must be quite a big change, right? You said you weren't there when the change happened and when it was being talked about, but you have some insight about that. Do you mind just kind of share some of that? Yes, of course. So I joined Minimax Saturn in March 2020, which was anyway already quite interesting times uh, due to Corona. But let's not talk about that one. In late 2019, my former colleagues decided to go with Flutter and uh, we were actually coming from native development. So we had an Android team and an iOS team. Teams were, I would say, rather small with, I think, around four to five members each. But due to most of people know uh, certain changes, you know, you don't always have the same seniority in the teams. Then people leave, new people come in. The big problem that MediaMarkt Saturn back then was facing is that the Android app and or the iOS app, dependent always a little bit, um, was having different feature sets. And that was, of course, super annoying um, for the people. And uh, also everyone outside of the tech uh, did not understand why it is like that. So um, this was definitely a challenge. And uh, then one colleague, a former colleague, Android developer, proposed that you could have a look into Flutter framework, which was back then, I think, still before 1.0 stable. But uh, we had a couple of contacts uh, to Google. And pretty much after various talks, the colleagues back then took the decision to use Flutter from now on. And I think till then, I can say already, or spoil already, we didn't regret the decision. Yeah, that must be quite interesting to try to explain to management, like, why are things not in par, right? I mean, I, I can only imagine that kind of talk because 
most of it probably just goes straight over their head, right? Like, what do you mean? It's just code, yeah. right? Isn't all code the same? Can't you just share things? Don't things just work? Yeah, and especially we are also on hybrid app. It's also important to say. So we use also still with Flutter parts or in our journey, WebViews. And that, of course, made it even less understandable for people outside because they always or still are coming to us. And then uh, you have to explain, uh, no, sorry, that's that's a web view. We need to forward this to the respective web teams. So you can imagine it's uh, quite some work that you need to do every day to explain people how things are working, where they need to go. And that's, of course, also for the colleagues who are not technically involved, really a challenge. Yeah, but also it's kind of nice that you could just say, oh, not our book. You can just pass it on to the right people and makes yourself feel better, right? Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, you also have, to some extent, always the responsibility, right? So it's your product still, right? Uh, you need to take care that it looks pretty. And you're always also arguing with the other teams, fighting for priorities, uh, that things are optimized for your touch point specifically. Because I have to admit, we are not, even though we claim we are not already a app first company or not even, sorry to say, a mobile first company. Sometimes we are, right? But mm -hmm. uh, not like a full all in. Well, yeah, uh, we, we did touch on this, and this was part of the reason why I asked uh, Jonas to kind of join the, the podcast, because I love the idea that initially you, you have the web view, and then while the web view is working, people are enjoying that. Work is being done to convert that web view into a native view, well, Flutter native, right? And then yeah. the nice part is you have a way to, that once the native view comes in, if there's a bug with that, you can roll back to the native web view to kind of protect yourself and then you can fix the bug later on, which I think is really a uh, crazy good idea. I'm kind of curious whose idea that was, if you, if you have any idea, because that's really an interesting idea. No, I think that's coming more out of the history. So we heavily work with feature flags using here, utilizing here Firebase remote config. Um, so every feature usually is behind a feature toggle. And in some cases, of course, also we turn on entire sites like the, I guess the prime example here is the native basket. Uh, so our, our basket was built natively or the decision was taken to build it natively uh, because we wanted to have Apple Pay and Google Pay in, in our apps, which um, of course enables another or an, a better experience just uh, in the app uh, over any other payment method because you just don't need to leave the app and it's just super fluent and just works integrated into the system. And there... Especially in the beginning, it was, um, of course, a massive change. Um, and uh, you can imagine if you uh, have the basket, which this is where more or less we make the money, right? And to be more precise in the checkout, but let's uh, stay with the basket. And of course, it's quite scary if you do such a change without any security net. And uh, therefore, for these, especially for these bigger changes, it's quite valuable. One more thing to it, since we have per country different prerequisites to go live to market, like legal constraints or whatever, it's also that not every country already has the native basket, for example. So also, it's not just an idea or a concept, but also a necessity to some extent that we easily can switch between uh, the web part and the native part in that example. Okay, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah that, that could make sense. Turn off and on features for certain markets for certain reasons. Has Flutter actually happened to deliver what 
was expected or has it actually fallen short on some parts? Speaking from my observation now for the time being, I can say I'm very happy that we uh, drove the decision. So also come with my native background and also working in these setups where you would have an iOS team and an Android team. You probably know this uh, kind of discussions where you have this uh, always which platform is better, which team compete or uh, some, some sort of a team competition. Let, let me phrase it like that. And that is one of the biggest advantages that, that I see also from the management perspective, that you have just one team, one technology, and everyone works into the same product, into the same goal. And it's not two products and everyone can do more or less everything. Right. So, so this is one of the, the key advantages. And then of, of course, also what I told before, the, the platform won't di diverge from each other anymore. So whenever something is built for iOS it's, or for Android, it's also, there are very few specific features where you need to make a difference. So also what was for me, prime example, again, back to the basket, introducing Apple and Google Pay. And of, of course, there you needed to do some tweaks left and right. And we also built our own plugin for Apple Pay and Google Pay. But in the end, we have now one plugin that can talk to both payment platforms. And that, that's just super cool. From a technical perspective, I honestly can't tell too much uh, because I'm far away from the implementation details. But also from whenever I have my one-on-ones with my engineers, Everyone is super excited still about Flutter and working with a Flutter project and just telling me that aside of the one of the other issue you might have, the overall development experience is quite cool. Dart seems to be a cool modern language, probably comparable with Swift and Kotlin respectively. So a lot of advantages that I see. Now, let me think there was also some things that I consider as um, a problem. Probably the only thing that comes to my mind now is that every now and then we have some issues on the Flutter framework itself that we, that we have then some errors or problems that are hard to debug or um, that are user facing, but uh, not really reproducible and um, leading them down then to uh, the Flutter framework or finding an open incident in the uh, GitHub of Flutter or something like that. On the other hand, this could also happen on iOS or Android, right? And so it's not an exclusive um, problem with Flutter, but definitely it was every now and then visual that the framework itself is still in development. And on the other hand, on the positive side, again, it progresses quite fast and a lot. Yeah, and they keep adding new features to Dart and Flutter that make it more and more interesting. And yeah, the native integration, I think is getting better and better, that story, right? Because you also have some, like you said, some native code, like native meaning like iOS a specific, Android specific code that you're writing. Yeah. Has that been working out for you? Or I mean, because that does require your engineers to actually kind of know more each platform, right? There's some danger with that. I mean, mm -hmm. you're venturing outside of Flutterland, basically. Yeah, definitely. There is a little bit of, of danger, I would say. Also, what I saw over the over the recruiting over the last three years, it is more usual that Android developers pick up Flutter than iOS developers. And specifically for iOS, you always have the certificate handling, for example, which is very specific to the iOS environment. And it is then, of course, a necessity that an Android developer who picked up a Flutter needs to also come into and learn. On the other hand, it is just mobile development now, right? Uh, you don't distinguish. And coming more back to the question, um, if you have to, had there some challenge in the past, 
I would even say not really because everyone has, you know, a mobile background. Usually it was very rare that we saw people in interviews that uh, have already started with Flutter. So most people then know, so to say two platform or two technologies already, let it be Kotlin or the Android uh, world and then Flutter world and then adapting to iOS is usually not the biggest deal for anyone experienced with mobile development. Okay, but what about, because you have the web views, right? Is there every discussion to use Flutter web for the web part also, or that just is out of the question? Because that could be a whole nother spectrum, right? Because you're saying sometimes you have to use the web views. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to have discussion, to be honest. Uh, on the other hand, you have to know that MediaMarkt Saturn decided two years before the Flutter project to rewrite the former web shop entirely in React. So it's also not like, that we are here on a quite old stack that we would need to replace, but it's the opposite, right? We also have a very modern web shop already built a little bit longer than the app itself. So now changing again, the technology would probably be a quite huge project that I think is currently out of scope, especially also, as I said before, and we try to go live with the app to the remaining countries where we still have legacy apps in place. But always the prerequisite is that we, because of the web views, have also the, the, the web shop in place, right? So before we haven't rolled out to all the countries and removed at least the legacy world, I do not see any way in or any route in, into that direction, I would say. Still, we have, in my domain, have played a little bit around with Flutter for web. It's also quite, quite good, quite stable in the meanwhile, from what I saw and what I heard. So I consider it definitely as an option. But under the things I said beforehand, not right now for MediaMarkt-Saturn. So I heard from Jonas that there's something like, and I think you presented at Flutter Berlin because we met at Flutter Berlin. There's something like 11 to 13 different apps that you guys are working on or like all white labels. Or so how does that work? There's 11 to 13 like white label apps. And then from there you have actual like branded ones that stretch from there. Or, or you're saying in total, all the apps is like, is like that. I think I have to correct or put the numbers a little bit into relation. So the number is coming more from also splitting or counting iOS and Android apps and Huawei and Amazon App Store. So actually we have right now, I would count it slightly different. We have uh, currently seven sales lines, as we call it, because Saturn is a different sales line. It's exclusive for Germany. And we have six different countries. So in Germany, we have two sales lines then and uh, then five other countries. So in total, seven sales lines. And what we then still define as a white label would be each sales line is a white label per se, right? Because each sales line has its own flavors, has its own specifics, but probably the aside of Saturn at least the theme is exactly the same. With one exception, we have in Italy, by the way, another brand, which is called Media World. So it is Media Markt, but the brand down there, for some reason that I don't know, is called Media World. And there's some slight differences are, for example, the logo is slightly different or, or something like that. Okay. So you have seven business lines from there, you have your variations. Okay, that makes more sense. But some of them do share some of the same code, right? Yeah, all of them, all of them. Sorry if I didn't make this precise. So we have one code base, two different themes for MediaMarkt and Saturn. Uh, they, mm -hmm. They're super or quite different. Also have, yeah, different widgets, different specifics. Not It's not just colors and fonts. Also the look and feel is uh, slightly different. But the code base, they share all the same. And the 
main difference, I would say that there are some, let's say, some examples where it's uh, not exactly like that. But the main difference is the feature flags that are turned on or off. Might be just that it is because, uh, as I described beforehand, uh, that some adjustments would need to be made because of legal issues could also be that our country just is on a legacy stack still. So also from backend perspective, we not just were rewriting the front end, so the webshop and the app, but also in the backend, there is a lot of movement from partially very legacy systems to more modern microarchitecture technical setup. Well, what I found quite interesting is you're also on the app store for Huawei, right? Which I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I checked really quickly about where MediaMarkt is, and it's mostly in Europe. Is there some Asian presence, or what's the reason to be in Huawei App Store? Yeah, actually, we sell their stuff, right? So they have also an interest to talk to us about being more relevant. So I think it also started around the COVID crisis that there was the USA and China economics war. And at around that time, also, Huawei started heavily pushing into the European market to get their, I call it, yeah, app, store, app store or apps ecosystem in place. So they were also partnering with us to get the MediaMarkt uh, Saturn app apps in their stores for the simple reason that they want to have app store ecosystem that is comparable to the Play Store, right? Because let, let's face it, an, a phone that has no apps is um, not really interesting. Apple and Google just um, doing a great job having a lot of different variety of services products in their stores already. And if you want to compete with that, you of course, have to have all partners on board that are relevant for the market where you try to sell devices. And that was the main reason why Huawei also was quite interesting for us, or also the other way around, Huawei was interested that we bring our app to their apps gallery. Okay, because once I hear that, I'm thinking, like, do you have a China presence or something that this comes up? Or was there a strong migration of Chinese people coming there? Because usually you're blocked from the app store, right? You're blocked from the Google Play store, I mean. But I forgot that Huawei actually cannot access that store. So anybody who buys a Huawei phone would actually need to have that app on their phone. Yeah, um, more or less. I mean, there's uh, still Huawei devices out there who work with a Play Store. And I heard um, about some jailbreaking things that you can do on this Play Store, uh, sorry, HMS, it's called Huawei Mobile Services Only Devices. But they're I don't know how, what their strategy is. As far as I know, all their newer or later devices just support the Huawei mobile services. And that's for us, of course, also a market. I think Huawei has something around 10-ish percent in, in Germany, at least. And now let's think about that of that 10%, maybe 5 to 8% already have a new device that just uh, serves the Huawei app gallery anymore. And therefore, it is definitely a market for us that's uh, yeah, interesting and we should not leave out. Okay, so you actually do have quite a few consumers actually using... Yeah, definitely. App Store. Okay, that's interesting. I'm actually kind of curious too, because without Google Play services and stuff on the phone, I mean, there's a lot of things you cannot do like that. I think you have to roll a separate push notification service, right, in order to use that. And I'm guessing your regular one is probably using the Google One, right? Yeah, so Firebase. how does that work on build time? Because that's quite complicated, right? To, to say, okay, this guy's coming from this ecosystem. We have to use this service. And then also building the app itself. I mean, it's not straightforward, 
to a certain extent, right? There are certain services that are different between the two platforms, but luckily we don't have too many of them. And one of the most important we touched already, which would be push notifications. Right now, we are not supporting push notifications on Huawei because we are just using Firebase for now for all of our push notifications. But of course, that's something that we definitely need to tackle in the future because the market is somewhat growing, um, to, at least to my observation. And then, of course, we would lose out on potential. From building perspective, we have build pipelines set up um, that build everything automatically, more or less. So it was still quite a project to set up everything properly. And uh, also, especially in the beginning, we had every now and then also our small and bigger issues that set up where specifically H a HMS service was not linking correctly or so, and then it was discovered on runtime. So these annoying things that cost a lot of time. But nowadays, at least talking about that year specifically, I would not be aware of any bigger issues that were related to our setup uh, that we built for four different stores. Oh, it's good that you don't have too much of an issue because I could just imagine that some of these things would be a real big problem, especially if you're relying heavily on Google services like Firebase itself. You know, yeah. That, that would just be almost impossible to work with. Exactly. Firebase indeed was also a challenge uh, back then. But don't ask me for the detailed uh, technical solution that we had. But important, we found one that we are now using. But of course, we can do a lot of things not on Huawei that we could do on uh, Google or iOS device where the uh, cloud services are working, the Firebase cloud services are working. But kind of coming back more about how Flutter is being used within the company, right? Is it only those seven business line mobile apps that Flutter is being used? Is there anything else that you're using Flutter for? No, unfortunately not. There would be the opportunity, or I would have seen at least the opportunity to use it for our internal apps. So you can imagine that uh, also our sales employees use apps nowadays so they, they they are not necessarily working on native de or on desktop machines anymore but more on the surface itself with a mobile phone or mobile tablet or so but uh, also there there was uh, let's say a strong lobby in MediaMarkt Saturn in general about react react native and uh, this is why there the apps were rewritten in react it was also at a similar time so to say and yeah Full stop. Unfortunately, currently not. I would love to see more, but again, it is a little bit a problem of uh, or a timing pro was a timing problem. React was just more stable in the times where the people decided to rewrite the projects. How did the the growing of the team happen? Right. So, I believe when I was there, you yourself made the claim that you're probably one of the biggest teams within Europe itself. Right. How many yeah. people did you start off with, and, and where are you at today? For team size people working on flutter obviously the entire domain is meanwhile around you now over 30 people and just flutter engineers we have now 20 one more to or two more to start in the next couple of weeks which would sum up and some up to 22 probably uh, very soon i would hire two more engineers for two of the teams who are not fully stuffed uh, as we consider them fully stuffed and since you can imagine so many developers can't work in just one team so we split up the teams into five scrum teams and all the teams work with support of a PO, user experience designer. And we have also a, a small team of analysts because, of course, we was, want to also understand how our product performs. That's quite a setup. I mean, having so many different types of people working together and working together so well. 
how do you manage? I mean, I think that's part of your job, right? Is to manage all these different teams and make sure that you're constantly delivering. Good question. What do I do? <laughs> Biggest part was finding the right talents, I would say. And it was that was also really a tough part of my work over the last uh, three years, I would say. Not only, again, because of COVID and uh, in general, the market was quite hard in terms of finding people. The tech market anyway is still a hard one for any engineer out there, probably. But Flutter, it is so new, right? There were not so many people already probably also confident applying for a Flutter job or still not uh, confident that this is a technology they want to invest in. And uh, this is also why it carried on quite a long time till we reached during this year, finally, to where we are right now, right? So, and uh, also that's fair to say, currently tech profiles have a high fluctuation and also we suffered under that. So while hiring, we also lost uh, the one or the other colleague. So it uh, was a steady line going up, but could have been a little bit faster if everyone would have stayed with MediaMarkt. So Turn was quite a challenging time, definitely. Now you're talking about your developers and using Flutter are, are really important, right? So how do you actually manage to find people to come work? Because I think that Flutter developers, there's, there's not a lot. I don't know what the market is for Germany, right? Because I think most of your people are located in Germany or you have some, I think, in Spain, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So also almost from the beginning on, we tried to also hire in Spain. For my experience, it was likewise hard to find people. Uh, probably Germany had a little bit better market, I would say, than Spain. But ultimately, um, with both funnels, I would say it was definitely easier, right, to in increase the sizes. And it was also one thing that I also was quite open for a very long time to relocating talents from everywhere around the world. And luckily also MediaMarkt uh, saw that there's a necessity for this high demanding or very new technologies, find the right people to open the funnel to pretty much everywhere in the world. The only thing that we couldn't offer is a complete remote contract and you living uh, somewhere abroad. But we also had success relocating a couple of people I'm very happy. Uh, one one example is uh, I have a colleague from Syria that we recruited from there and relocated. And I'm super proud how he developed here and um, yeah came to Germany. Super success story. On the other hand, we also had a couple of relocations that did not work out. But in the end, you know, opening up to the idea, relocating from somewhere or hiring everywhere in the world definitely helped out. Second to that, I would say uh, we were always eager to be quite active everywhere in the community. You definitely also know that uh, the last couple of years, that was also not so easy. A lot of meetups were canceled, conferences were just held online and all that stuff. So I was super happy that we ha had the opportunity this year to be on the Flutter DroidCon in Berlin, actually with a quite big presence. And also the occasion where we met the meetup um, in Berlin was also, I think, a really cool thing we hosted. But also we were doing this already over the years um, couple of times in Barcelona where our tech hub is, but also here in Germany, we try to be active and uh, just give, you know, MediaMarkt um, also a tech touch because people who know MediaMarkt usually just see the big consumer electronics warehouse, but they always don't know that we are really a cool tech company as well and uh, doing really modern things with modern technologies. I would like to talk a little bit more about your involvement, right? So there was some talk, I believe, at the meetup that you made your own uh, payment plugin, you're looking to actually open source that, but that didn't actually happen. Right? 
open sourcing yeah. that plugin. Yeah, that's a little bit sad. Back in the days, also, um, we were just, I think, uh, around 10 developers or so, uh, maybe one one or two more. We, we didn't have so much capacity overall uh, in our teams uh, and still had a fully packed roadmap. And back in the days, also, we had a couple of uh, discussions with uh, the guys from Google because they had a payment plugin. Uh, I think it was back then also the most used payment plugin. But the unfortunate part for us was that we were not too happy with the API. So they targeted the API quite much to uh, what the Google Pay plugin expects. As far as I know, it's configured with JSON structure. So it is very uh, loosely typed. And my colleagues, my engineers were more going towards the very strongly typed approach that also Apple Pay is using more. And then they would migrate or map um, from the strict types to the JSON structure. And that was also the point where we discussed heavily with them, but couldn't find a conclusion in the end, unless we would have needed to uh, be doing uh, very heavy investments. And for us, it was always like, if we want to go open source, we also need to make sure that we have enough capacity to maintain it. Because in the end, we would be one of the main users of the plugin regardless. And of course, we wanted to end up in a situation where we need to fork then our own plugin, right? And that was more or less the story about why it never came to the uh, collaboration with Google and uh, thus also never to the open sourcing of our plugin. But besides working on a plugin, like I said, we first met at Flutter Berlin, right? So that's kind of the local meetup. How is the presence from MediaMarkt at the meetup? Because this is my first time ever being at that meetup. So I was kind of curious about how many people actually go? Do you always sponsor the meetup? Is this the first time? Is this going to keep happening? You know, this kind of questions. Yeah. So it was actually the first time that we partnered up with the Flutter Berlin group. I think one of my engineers was participating in another meetup Flutter crew, Flutter Berlin crew was hosting. And there he came into the talks with Manuela. I think she was also a guest on your podcast already once and she's organized it there. And so we got into the connection. It was actually in, I think, I do believe in Mayish, uh, something around that. And then we had some chats about what would be possible. And you, you were in the venue, right? I tried then to find a, a proper venue, which I luckily found with the Experian Arena. And then we started planning, actually. And um, I was following then the suggestions also of the organizers that October could be a quite good time after the summer break. And um, I think it was ultimately a good success. So will we continue with that? If it goes after me, definitely. I think also the organizers were quite happy with the organization, with the setup and everything. So I could imagine that they also uh, would definitely do a meetup with us again, probably also then again in the Experian arena, but nothing planned so far. What I definitely would like to do is, uh, as I have a colleague, an engineer as well, in he's maintaining the Flutter Hamburg meetup or is he's organizer of the Flutter Hamburg to also support these guys and uh, do an event with them and do some sponsoring with them. And I have also connections with the Flutter Munich guys, but unluckily there it never worked out so far. But you have to know that our office is quite bad located in terms of reachability in Munich. So it's far in the north, but definitely. So let's see what comes next year. But I'm very confident that the one or the other format we will again uh, host and sponsor from MediaMarkt Citroen side. 
that place, I was quite frustrated because I went to the wrong media market. Because <laughs> okay. there's, you know, there's one across the street, what we call Kitty Corner, oh, right? Diagonal. The Uber driver dropped me off at the right place, but I said, oh, media market or something. And he pointed me across the street. So I hopped across the street. And uh, it was very difficult to find, right? And um, even when I went to the right building, it was a little bit difficult to find because I was like, what am I looking for? Like, this is, doesn't make sense. And the directions on the meetup were like, oh, just go to the media market and it's in there. It's like, this place is like four floors tall or three floor tall, something like that. So it's like, well, I don't know yeah. which floor. And it wasn't very clear at all how to find what I was looking for. Yeah, I think we last minute changed the invitation or they made a comment on the meetup itself, but we spotted it it uh, a little bit too late to be honest and uh, gave them the feedback to the organizers that they should explicitly say saturn yeah, at least which floor, floor yeah yeah, yeah in the experience so. area i think if you go the elevator upstairs uh, you would immediately spot the experience area and then from there on i, I guess you we were good to go because uh, the front yeah. or the security guy would lead you but of course you're completely right reaching there was probably not the easiest task when you go to the wrong place, right? It's like Media Mark, Media Mark yeah. Saturn. I don't know what is what over here. This is, and that was the first time I've ever heard of Media Mark. I actually was at that mall, I think that day or the day before, for the one across the street that I first went to. So yeah. like, I was like, okay, I was here. I understood what where the heck this place was. It was actually kind of like a shocking. I, I didn't quite understand. Maybe it can help me to understand what's the difference between Media Mark and Media Mark Saturn? Because to me, they they're very similar. They sell electronics mm -hmm. at each one, I believe at a general standpoint, but what's the difference between yeah. the two? So from what I know and how I got it explained, uh, MediaMarkt is always more outside of the cities. It's more for, uh, you know, bigger electronics where you have usually also bigger floors where you can have, you know, all the things about kitchens, televisions. Uh, so in the end, a big floor. And Saturns are, they are more or urban. So they are more for uh, go buy um, purchases and they more invested into you know the things that you can easily pick up like dvds video games all that stuff so this is i would say uh, probably the main difference between the two brands that we try to make make somewhere in the difference and i would also guess that there is not so many uh, locations like in berlin at alexanderplatz that you have a media market right next to the saturn which is from an economics perspective also a little bit crazy but they have slight different concepts. And of course, as you could see, different colors. What I also thought was kind of strange, I didn't quite understand what was going on. When I went to the right floor at the building, which actually, if I remember correctly, it was me and another guy trying to go upstairs and like the escalators were turned off. So like we had to find like a weird elevator or some secret <laughs> route to go upstairs. It was, I don't know what happened. It was just a bad day, I guess. And um, when I got to the right floor, it was quite open. And there was lots of kids playing video games and fridge that yeah. you could just go up to and grab drinks. Like, what's the story with the that area? Is that a special VIP area or something? Or anybody can just come and play video games on that floor and, and have drinks? No, actually, it's a new brand that MediaMarkt Saturn has already started a while ago. So the, the first Experion Arena in Cologne, where also the Gamescom is always uh, hosted. I think that's why they had the idea to have it there. And the concept is super different to a Saturn store. So they always claim it is uh, the experience is for experiencing what is around. We partner up here with the industry to have surfaces or yeah, a lot of different stands 
where you can just hang out and play. And our colleagues, they try to work a lot with communities. So you would have a lot of gaming events, streaming events. Uh, the arena is also very uh, much used for any streaming events. We have some booths that we also rent for professional streamers. We every now and then have yeah, also industry events like uh, Intel Streaming Night, I think they call it, where people just come to play, have probably some kind of uh, prize winning. Sometimes there are professional players there who you can compete against and all that stuff. So that the focus of the experience is definitely not about selling stuff, but it's more about experiencing the stuff and um, making some events around it. Yeah, so it's like a strong marketing way to get people to come in and try the stuff, experience the stuff, and then buy the stuff, right? I'm guessing that's probably the ultimate goal. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the marketing arm of it, yeah. It was just something that was so surreal. And I felt like these kids were just here playing for fun, and, and it was actually kind of empty. Like, I was thinking, imagine if I was younger, I think me and all my friends and all my classmates would probably be there because it was just so much space, and it seemed yeah. like really fun and definitely a place where you would want to play games all day. and. And they were desktops set up too. So it seems like you could just kind yeah. of rent a computer somehow. You don't need to bring your own machine. I was just confused what was going on. Yeah, you don't even need to rent it. You just can go there and if you have a free spot, sit there and, and play. And what you probably have not seen is, is the FSK 18 area. So there's an area where all games are allowed to be played. It's a special box would be too small, an area that is a little bit decoupled from the rest of the area. And this is usually quite full. And the people working there told us that from 11 in the morning, usually all the places, not just in the 18 area, but everywhere in the experience are quite full. So probably you arrived already at a later point and uh, there gets already a little bit more empty. But if you go there between, let's say, 12 and 2, uh, you can expect that everything is uh, fully crowded. Okay. Yeah, I, I might have to make my way over there again and, and kind of take a look around because I knew nothing about this stuff until I saw it myself. But coming back to kind of the main topic, right? It's really awesome that, you, you know, you took a look at it, you know, Media Market itself, obviously not you you yourself, but Media Market said, okay, let, let's try it. Worked out well, investing in it. Investing in so far that you're bringing people in even outside of where you usually hire and relocating them just because you want the talent, you need the talent. And also, you know, looking at releasing some plugins, which maybe doesn't quite work out at the current moment, but also the local meetups, right? Getting that kind of going and also working with Google and Droid Count, all these kind of things. Is there anything else that MediaMarkt is doing with Flutter or, you know, that they're looking at doing? Nothing really specific that comes to my mind for now. What I definitely would like to do is uh, collaborating more in general with all the three major brands that we have also talked about. So Apple, Google, and Huawei. Huawei, we usually had a quite, or we still have a quite good relationship. Apple is always quite difficult. And Google, sorry to say, but usually they come along and want something from you to do for you. Right. It's also not like that you go there and then you have a good relationship. So they're always, it's, uh, which to some extent is fair, but it's always like you get something, but uh, we want also something from you. Here, I would in general love to have, uh, let's say better collaboration in general over all the brands, uh, that it's just easier for us, um, app developers or app development departments as well to build the best experience for our customers out there. And sometimes, you know, when you ask a question to, now picking the Apple example, you ask a question to the guys and eventually come back with you 
and they obviously did not read your question, but just post you with the same links that you were already claiming that you have looked into. And this is exactly what I what I say. That's that's not a developer experience. That Apple is uh, not getting tired to claim that they are so good in the developer experience, but they are apparently, unfortunately, not. Okay, I think we covered kind of nearly everything to think of with MediaMarkt and and their relation with Flutter. Like, is there anything else that I've missed? One thing I could highlight still, um, because I said that one with one sentence that we also investigated a little bit into uh, Flutter for Web. What we actually did there, we have a component gallery. So we let's start with the other way with a component library. So where all of our widgets are living in. So it sounded or looked a little bit uh, like widget book in light. So if I may do the comparison. So in the end, what, what is the component gallery? It's a website uh, where you can easily as anyone. So as a manager, as a UX designer, as a PO, go to the website and see every widget that we have in our catalog, in our component gallery right now, we try to at least keep it in sync with our design guide. So this is a pretty cool thing, actually, that we are doing and where we are utilizing Flutter for Web. And of course, it has not a big business logic or something, but for that purpose, it works like a charm for us. That's interesting. It's also good to hear. I mean, have you actually also looked at using Widget Book? So far, not. I'm in contact with Lucas as I met him also in Berlin for the very first time. I mean, I knew basically what they are doing and uh, what what is Widget Book, but so far, no touch points already. Yeah, because it's interesting that you're talking about them because they were there the same day that you presented, right? That was actually coincidence. I mean, was that that coincidental or not? I couldn't quite understand. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Actually, we, um, some of the colleagues had already some talks on the DroidCon, FlutterCon in Berlin. Them, they also were somewhere next to us on the stand. But so far, at least none of my developers said, Hey, Andy, we definitely should investigate or have a look into that one. So maybe at a later time, maybe if they are more mature even than they are today. And I heard also that they have a support to Figma as well, which is also for us uh, the UX tool that we are using. So never say never, but right now, not on the plate at least. You said you're still looking to hire people. I mean, is this also like a, you know, should we say that if people are interested to try to apply, should they actually somehow contact with you or apply to a website or something? I'm always open to connect via LinkedIn. So just feel free to search. My last name is quite unique. I would say you can find me easily. Send me a message. Usually I post any openings also via LinkedIn or like them if a HR colleague is doing so. So you can know when we have the openings ready. Uh, right now they are not opened already, but I expect it to happen hopefully somewhere in November, in the latest in December. And then of course, um, just reach out to me or apply directly, I'm always happy to connect. And if you're active in the community, I also share always uh, when we are active somewhere. So if you're interested, just drop by, give me a chat. I'm very open to that. Awesome. And with that, then I want to thank you for coming on and hopefully have you guys back on again in the future. Thank you too, Alan. It was nice talking to you.